Robins at the Gate with Sky Sports and Five Lives Michelle Owen. With Who Knows Wins, this is not betting as you know it. Put your money where your mates are. Playing is easy. Make your predictions on the outcomes of your chosen fixtures. For every result you predict correctly, you get a point in your league. At the end of the competition, whoever's got the most points wins and proves their top dog. Choose your own entry fee, however substantial or small, and split the winner's pot as you see fit. Who Knows Wins. Download the app now and start playing. Hello and welcome along to Robins at the Gate. Thank you for listening and thanks for giving us a go. Basically, we are still the same, but with a different name. And I'm really pleased to say that Gregor McGregor is along with me. We are reunited at last, Gregor. Thank you for coming on. Yeah, it's good to be back. It is good to be back. We've got a lot to get through. Obviously, we can't cover what we've missed in the last few months. So we're going to jump into what's happening right now. And just to say, we were meant to have a very special guest on the podcast this week. Uh, and unfortunately, I had to go for a COVID test on Sunday because on Saturday night, I got back from the game I was doing at Swansea. I was just coughing loads. So did manage to get a test in the end. But luckily today, it's come back negative. So if you hear me coughing, I have tested negative. And the great news is our special guest, Dean Holden is going to be joining us all being well next week so really looking forward to that so let's start then Gregor by reflecting on the start of the season you know we have a break this weekend hopefully you do I know I do I'm not at a game because it's the international break but wow we couldn't have asked for a better start for Bristol City could we no, it's been brilliant, hasn't it? What, six wins from seven, the only loss against Aston Villa. Um, but more than that, it's been the style that they've done it in. It's just been fantastic football for the main part, maybe not so much the Nottingham Forest win. But yeah, all in all, the results and performances, top of the championship, and you can't really ask for more than that at this stage. Absolutely not. And and the Forest game you mentioned there, there's something to be said for winning like that, though, isn't there? We've seen some lovely passing and some lovely football, and I've been at a lot of the games. I'm really impressed with how Bristol City are playing. But I know Dan Bentley was excellent in that Forest game, and we'll talk about him in a minute. But to win like that as well, it gives you a different sort of confidence, doesn't it? Yeah. A fan recently pointed this out to me, that it'd been actually several years since Bristol City had won two consecutive league games by more than just a single goal. And wow. that, that really does sort of sum things up. I, I, look, I look back at it, and yeah, it was in 2017. I think they beat Bolton, Wanderers, and, and Ipswich Town exactly this time of year. So exactly three years ago since that last happened. And that's a fairly long time to go yeah. between, yeah, convincing results. And that kind of shows that they've had the performances and, and won in, in good fashion, not just a single goal win. And that for me, because Bristol City have had pretty good starts to the season the last couple of years, really, if you think about it. I know, I know they, they lost the opening game, didn't they, against Leeds last year. Yeah. But then they did go on that run of losing just one of the first 15, 16 league games. And likewise, the season before, they, they won, I think, seven of the first eight or something, or, or, or they were unbeaten in seven of the first eight. So they have had good starts under Lee Johnson. But I think the difference is now... But they just feel like they they're doing it in a in a more convincing fashion, and as I say, they've they've had the performances to go with it. They at Stoke, they really were really really good that day. It was one of the best away performances I've seen for a while. Reminded me of the Middlesbrough game at the end of last season, and then yeah, yeah really good signs against Sheffield Wednesday, um, following that up as well. So yeah, plenty of good stuff. Yeah, I mean from the games I've seen, Greg, I've got to agree with you with the way Bristol City are playing has been fantastic and actually some of the League Cup performances yes they're out now were, were brilliant as well in terms of what's changed obviously the head coach has changed now 
when Dean Holden got the job, let's be honest, a lot of fans weren't happy because we had some big names touted in there. Perhaps the one that kept coming up was Chris Hewton. Uh, also, Paul Cook was mentioned as well, among others. But I said at the time personally that I thought Dean was going to do a good job. I said, I remember saying to you, I was like, I think they'll do quite well this year. And you were like, I think mid-table. So have you reviewed your mid-table prediction or is it too early to say? And what has Dean Holden changed from what Lee Johnson was doing? Yeah, well, I think I, I'm pretty sure I said mid, yeah, mid-table. And yeah, I think we need to, I think I probably need to adjust that to maybe... I would go for high mid-table at the moment. Playoffs? Um, playoff push? I think a playoff push, definitely. Whether they can make the top six, maybe it's a little bit too early just at yeah. the moment. The, the test is going to come, isn't it, once they start getting a few defeats. And I, I think, I really do think, though, we're going to see this team a little bit different from the last couple of seasons, where if you rem- remember under Lee Johnson, and this comes on to the second part of your question there, that under Lee Johnson we would see those streaks of, of losses but I don't get the impression that, that we're going to see that under Dean Holden I feel like yes there are going to be losses and they're going to be bumps in the road but I'm not sure we're going to see like three four defeats on a bounce I, th- I think I think we'll see this this team because it has got so many weapons on the pitch there I mean they've, they've scored more than one goal in every game and they do mm-hmm. create so many chances I mean we'll come on I guess we'll come on to the style of football and everything a bit more in detail um, and you've got some stats on it haven't you but, yeah. but 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 what always impresses me is that this system that he plays which they've been begging to play well it just just stands out that they should have been playing this for a while because they've got such a squad that is so well suited to a 3-5-2 um, and it, it just enables them to flood the penalty, opposition penalty area with, with players I don't know if you've noticed that oh, they just, often, the gamble yeah. isn't it so I, I guess if it's Sunday League football and it's doing a disrespect perhaps to Dean Holden but you're told to gamble to get in there to make that run and every time you know through the game I would say nine times out of ten, when Bristol City are going forward down either wing or the wing backs are pushing forward, you're seeing at least a couple of players gamble to get in there. And Chris Martin, of course, has been an excellent signing because if that ball comes in, he's there to knock it down. We've seen it happen. His assists are outstanding. Yeah, I've, I've got to admit, on, uh, yeah, as you say, first of all, actually, that yeah, when I look up, I often see sort of four, even five players in the box, yeah. which I think is magnificent. And you've obviously got the often the attack building down maybe one flank and then you've got the wing back from the other side getting forward and that's how we saw Tommy Rowe scoring the vital goal against Sheffield Wednesday the other week but yeah. then you've also, you've also got the front two in there it's good that he plays with a two up front because not every team does that they often go with just one striker but then in, in Patterson who we've been let's let's pick ourselves up here Michelle a second oh, we, we, we love Pato exactly we've been, <laughs> we have been banging that drum for years anyone who's listened to this podcast knows that we've been singing his praises for a long long time and, and I've said that he should should be in there and yeah basically Dean Holden's getting a right tune from him and and then when you factor in that they've got this new position for Andy Weiman and, but, but really he's a forward then, then you're looking at four really good attacking players um, and a system that gets the best out of them loads of chances loads of guys in the box you're going to get loads of goals and that's why they yeah they've started so well what 12 goals so far this season and um, yeah it, it bodes well for the for the season ahead so yeah 
Yeah, and 88% of those goals from open play in the league. I think a lot of people I've seen on social media are saying, oh, Dean Holden, you know, what he's done, he's gone back to basics. He's dumbed things down. But I think that actually, it's not intentionally, but that's not giving Dean Holden enough credit. Because if you look at the past types that Bristol City are doing, you can find these online if you look for the stats, 78% of their game is short passes. So, you know, they're not just hoofing it long or anything and anyone that knows Bristol City this season and has watched them play will know they're playing really nice football like you say but is there a sense in that he's gone back to basics in that we've lost Lee Johnson and his gadgets and, and that's fine you know to do that if it works but sometimes when we used to hear about measuring grass and really detailed stuff he used to go into do you think it's actually been simpler for the players to follow Dean's way of working so far? Yeah, definitely. I, I think you are onto something there. Um, I do think, obviously, Lee Johnson did a good job, but I just feel maybe Dean Holden can take this on a little bit. And the main thing for me is that I think everyone is really buying into this across the squad. You look at the players, they all seem happy. They, Like you say, they, they all seem to know their jobs and things have been simplified. Um, it's a lot clearer. I mean, that ties into what Mark Ashton said when they appointed Dean Holden and why they went for Dean over possibly someone like Chris Hutton, who they did interview. They did speak to Chris at length. And the message from both Steve Lansdowne and Mark Ashton was that Dean Holden had won them over in the interview stage. And we should emphasize that there is a, 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 a it is um, a classic uh, trait of the Lansdowns that they they like to do this long interview process. They've done this with signings. They've done this with managers, um, and it, and it is a, a, a process as as Mark Ashton called it. And it was in there that yeah, Dean Holden's plans came to the fore, and and yeah, he was just very clear about what he wanted to do. And I I think we've seen that not just on the pitch, but also in the transfer market. Um, with with what they wanted to do, they brought in the players that they wanted. They did their business early. They've had a plan, and it and it's working. It is, and so far so good. I guess the difficulty for Dean Holden will be when things don't go their way, because it's going to happen at some point. This is the championship. There are so many ups and downs through the season, and we can't sit here and say we're going to be like this all season with Bristol City. I guess the danger then for for Dean Holden is that he is an assistant manager first and foremost when he came to Bristol City. He's now head coach, but when he was assistant manager, he was able to be the go-between. So when the chips were down and players weren't happy, so let's say he does have to drop Jamie Patterson, because at the moment that's unthinkable, but who knows? He then has to maintain that relationship he had as assistant coach, now he's head coach. How difficult do you think that's that's going to be? Yes, it's, it's a good question. That and I think that's one of the things we've heard from um, basically sources around the club and 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 people who would know that, that basically at times you'd have the Lee Johnson Dean Holden good cop bad cop routine and yep. and it's a, it's a classic um, sort of way of working in football that yeah you've got the the manager and the, or head coach he's going to have to make all the hard decisions but it's a lot easier as you say as the assistant coach because you can be and other people have said this as well that you can be the the shoulder to cry on and yeah and you can you can 
help deal with and often are tasked with dealing with the guys who aren't in the picture, aren't in the frame, um, and, and maybe aren't getting the starts that they want and aren't happy with that. And so, yeah, that from from our information, that has always been a, a role that Dean Holden played uh, as such. And, and maybe that kind of helps him now because he's got the buy-in of, of the whole squad. But I really can't emphasize that from everything we've heard, and I did write about this in, in the, before Dean was appointed. And I, I think actually, to be fair, there's a, there's a, there was a clear hint from the players themselves because yes, we, 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 wrote, we wrote about how Dean was going to be appointed and that he was um, uh, basically... He got the the players on his side, and then that story was actually retweeted by a couple of the players. Yeah, um, and, and and you could see on social media they were demonstrating their support for him, weren't they? Yeah, it was quite yeah. obvious. But he he's brought in two assistants as well, Keith Downing and Paul Simpson, that deserve credit because you know very early days, but it seems a happy camp. Yeah, I think I think that has been a smart move. I've been impressed by those guys. Uh, I, yeah, when they came in they maybe didn't get the, the fanfare that they deserved because maybe a, a lot of fans don't realise the job they've done with the England setup. but these are guys who've had success there it's not easy to do that you look back over the years uh, and well England it's only recent yeah it's only yeah, recent in England haven't had too many successes in, at youth level of course that is dependent a little bit on the talent you've got there but it's not just that you've got to have a system that works you've got to get those guys playing to their utmost and then you've got to beat such great nations as Spain, Germany, etc., etc. So, so yeah, they've done a great job at the FA, and I think the club has done well to recruit them. And yeah, they seem to be really doing some good stuff on the the training pitch. From what we're hearing, the guys are really um, enjoying the sessions that they're putting on, and I think the, the the thinking and the experience that those guys bring, Keith Downing and Paul Simpson, is really going to help Dean Holden. I, I do think that is a smart move, and so far, yeah, it looks it looks a good move. And Dean Holden went to the Three Lions pub last week. Uh, we saw him with the Bristol City fans. I think he went with his brother, with his dad. I've met his dad, who is just so lovely. And I got a little bit of jip for saying, you know, I've seen Dean Holden with his dad and it would mean a lot to his family. And, and fans were like, oh, that's not a reason to appoint him. And I was just trying to show that human aspect of whoever got the job. You know, this is a big moment for them. But more so for me, just understanding that Dean, where he's come from and how he's worked and just having a few minutes with his dad to meet him and chat to him was really lovely. And then to see them go into the pub like that, a cynic might say, Gregor, oh, that was just a PR move. But I think we know better than that, don't we? And anyone who was there will know better. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely not. I think that's Dean Holden all over. He he really is. I've, I've been doing a bit of research on Dean this week for some stuff I'm writing on, so speaking about his um, Manchester past. And the thing I've learned is that he he is a genuine football fan. He's, he's like one of us. He's like one of the guys in the stands. He's, he's like a Bristol City fan. And that comes across in everything he does. And I think that maybe is one of the reasons why he's so um, why he's been able to endear himself to, to fans and players alike, in that he is just genuine a lovely guy but also uh, a football fan at the heart of it and yeah I mean one little story I heard on him this week actually is that he was absolutely ecstatic when he got to play against Manchester United his his boyhood club his team that he's always supported the team that he travels a lot to go and see when he when he 
can and to face and and then beat Man, um, Jose Mourinho at Manchester United. He was absolutely delirious about, and he was just <laughs> so ecstatic about even just shaking Jose Mourinho's hand. Yeah, after great that photos thing. that night, aren't there? Yeah, I know, I know that he used actually one of those pictures as his WhatsApp um, uh, profile picture yeah. for a long, long time because he was so proud of yeah. that moment. And yeah, this this ties in going to the pub, and he, he does that back at home up in Swinton Way, and um, where where he's born up in Manchester Way, and he's got a pub up there that he goes to with his dad and his brother so it's nothing out of the ordinary and and he knows what it's like as a fan he, he is a football fan as I say himself so he gets that and uh, yeah I think I think that's a good sign and it just shows how down to earth he is and he really is just like that and and that ties into as we were saying before just why he's able to and certainly at the moment able to get the best out of people yeah, absolutely. And we're really looking forward to talking to him next week. OK, coming up after the break, we're going to be talking about home and away advantage. Is that something that is ebbing away now without the fans? The transfer window has shut. Gregor is going to evaluate City's window. And also we'll look at the financial situation of the club with Steve Lansdowne in charge, his comments on no fans and what Mark Ashton has been saying as well. Uh, we are sponsored, by the way, by Who Knows Wins. Uh, have a look at the app. We're going to go more into detail on this next week, how you can get involved and how who knows when's are going to set up a league for you to play with fellow Bristol City fans. Robins at the gate. With Who Knows Wins, this is not betting as you know it. Download the app now and start playing. Robins at the gate with Michelle Owen. Welcome back. So, home and away advantage then, Gregor. Uh, this is something I want to talk about. I've seen some Premier League stats. So this season, okay, looking at Premier League matches, they're asking, is home advantage gone? This is talking about the Premier League. Because up to 2020, it was 46.2% home wins, okay? Now, in this new season, 30.8%. Now, I don't have the whole stats for the EFL, but is there something to be said about that? Because actually, <laughs> Bristol City this season are playing well at home. Yeah, that's the ironic thing. Um, it does seem like a way results are easier to come by. I mean, that trend you mentioned there just follows what we saw in Germany at the end of last season as well and other countries. So, yeah, it does seem to be something in that. And But, yeah, as you say, the problem for Bristol City over the last few years has been finding that consistency at Ashton Gate. But, yeah, they, they seem to have got it at the moment. Hopefully it can last. Yeah, absolutely. So the transfer window has shut. Uh, let's talk about Bristol City's window. I've got overall... How do you think they fared? Are you happy with the business done? I mean, there's, there's so many signings for me that spring to mind. They're already bedding in so well. Yes, very happy. I think they've been really smart. I think I've just been looking at this a little bit, but I think it's quite a clear difference to how they approached things last window. If you remember yep. a year ago, we were talking about them trying to bring in Eze Enketia, yep. who, of course, Leeds managed to nick at the last stage. And then, fair play to the club, they did well to bring in Benica Fobe, but that was right at the very end of the summer transfer window. It wasn't even announced until after the deadline, even. Um, and maybe they've learned from that a little bit, and they've got in there, and they've, okay, maybe they've adjusted their targets a little bit, and they, they maybe, yeah, maybe got in there and, and done business well, just can ahead I, um... of others. 
Yeah, ahead of others. I was about to say, can I just run through who they've who they've signed? Then uh, we've got Chris Martin, who's made an instant impact. So that's a big tick, isn't it? Alfie Mawson looks an excellent loan signing. Stephen Sessegnon, I think we've we've yet to see the best of. We've seen him in the League Cup a couple of times. Uh, these are just the top ones I'm going through. Chris Brunt, do you think he's got a role to play, Gregor? Yeah, I, I do. He's been used the last couple of games off the bench. I think they like him coming off. Uh, and replacing Tyreek Backinson in the final minutes of the games. That looks like it's going to be his role, be the, the experienced guy to get his foot in there and yeah. just just be calm and play the right passes at the right time, read and break up the play in, later on in games. So, yeah, definitely. They, they like the look of him. That's going to have a knock-on effect, but I think we'll probably come on to sort of outgoings and sales in, yeah. in a minute, won't we? Yeah. Uh, Joe Williams? Yeah, we've just not seen any of him yet. That's the weird one. Mm. I mean, I reported that he picked up an injury early on, and we'd heard that one of the injuries they picked up early on was really bad. And Mm. I think originally we thought it was Joe Williams, but actually it was Nathan Baker with with a bad one. However, we did say that Williams was out for like a couple of months, and we had to, and we thought we might have to scale that back. However, it's now getting on a bit. And it is actually going to be some two months or so since since the season started, and we and, and we're not and we haven't even seen him yet. I don't think he's going to be in contention to play against Barnsley, or actually he might be back for that one. But even if he is, that's yeah, it's, it's still a, a fairly hefty start. I believe he got injured actually in the behind closed doors game, um, like they, they, that he played in, just literally a couple of days after signing. So uh, yeah, been a bit unlucky there. Yeah, and no business done on deadline day either, but we weren't expecting any, were we? No, no. The, I mean, the only thing was going to be was the outgoings, and they may have, I mean, they may have a little bit to do there because basically they've got just so many central midfielders. They've still got 11 different options, I was counting there, wow. which which is incredible because they only play three there, don't they? And with Andy Vyman and Jamie Patterson starting every game, and they've, they've just been standout very... They're, they're, key parts of this team yes, and you can't, yeah. can't really drop them then Backinson has been unbelievable the emergence of those three really has mean has meant that Adam Narge uh, Hanno Masengo even and Casey Palmer really are going to you're probably not expecting those guys no. to be involved too much no, no I agree yeah. I was just going to say Casey Palmer he, he did well in some of the League Cup games but then not even in the squad yeah, exactly. And he was he was the nineteenth man recently when they when they went away to Stoke and I know Dean Holden said to him, uh, you've had a great attitude, yeah. um, Casey, you'll play in midweek and in the EFL Cup game, which he did. I think that was the Northampton game then and He was yeah, brilliant was, that game. He yeah. really was brilliant. Man of the match and basically should have had a hat trick. But then yeah, he didn't do so well against Villa a week later. Yeah. And yeah, it's gonna be an interesting watch over the next ten days as to whether 16, he stays. Sixteenth yes. of October, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and any updates on how Liam Walsh is doing? Can we expect anything from him? Liam Walsh, yeah, that's a, another worrying injury. And maybe this is why the club is is a bit relaxed and we didn't see Narge um, go out, leave the club yesterday because we understand there was interest in him earlier in the transfer window. There were a couple of clubs who inquired about him, but nothing concrete came along. It was one we were watching out for yesterday to see if he was going to leave, but obviously he didn't. And, may, and 
and the club are relaxed, we're told, on that. And it maybe is because of the injuries they've had in central midfield. If you think about it, Joe Morrell, <laughs> he's one of those classic ones where he went away with Wales, played mm. with Wales, came back at a calf strain, hasn't played at all, and now he's back and re- and he's linked up. He's playing at the oh. Vale, isn't he? Sense. Training at the Vale at the oh. moment, yeah. Uh, Callum O'Dowder, another one who got injured with Ireland, out for the next few weeks, comes back and he's <laughs> and he's linked back up with Ireland. So, yeah, you you're going to get injuries, and I actually quite like that they they are carrying a heavy squad there, and maybe those guys won't disappear, or maybe and they won't they won't leave the club, and that they'll they'll stick with Masengo, Naj, and Palmer because they've got those injuries. But yeah, Walsh. The, la- the latest was that he was a couple of weeks away still from returning to the grass. He's had a, a, a bad, uh, I think it's a quad problem. Okay. And, and he picked that up apparently as, as soon as he came back from Coventry, right at the beginning of lockdown. We're talking March, April time. So that is a worrying long-term injury. Mm. Yeah, I've and seen him around in his tracksuit, but I just keep thinking, yeah. well, how long can it be? How long can it be? You know? And that- it probably ties in to his contract situation and why he hasn't signed a new deal yet. They're probably just waiting to see how he comes back from that injury when he when he's back fit and playing again and probably would expect some movement on that then. Yeah, it brings us on to the financial situation of Bristol City, really. I know some players have gone out on loan, so just before we move on to that, just uh, give us a brief brief load on, on who you think is going to have successful loans, because I saw Johnny Smith at Swindon, uh, 5th of September, when they were playing first round of the League Cup. He came on, he scored a worldie, and it just made me think, gosh, I know Brian Tinian tweets about it a lot, because he has a lot to do with it, but there's some brilliant players out on loan at the moment, aren't there? There are, yeah. Even Hakim Adelikan, who went He's up got to Hull recently, yeah. yeah, he scored on his home debut the other day against Plymouth. He's never been given a chance at all at Bristol City. Like he's been here a while, he's not been given a chance. Yeah, he, he's had a lot of competition in in the in the positions he plays, but maybe that just kind of shows the strength in depth at Bristol City at the moment. That that yeah, that he can't, he hasn't been able to make it. I mean, Marley Watkins, another one who's who's done quite well actually since he's gone up to Aberdeen, yeah. scored scored at the score, weekend. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like Seku Jenner. I think he's one to watch out for. He hasn't started too many games at Newport County just yet, but I think. Over the longer term, he's going to be one to keep an eye on. The, probably the, the standout one possibly is Ora Edwards, who's done really well at Grimsby Town. He is very highly rated at the club. Um, James Morton, as well as gone to Grimsby yep. Town, he obviously came off the bench recently to make his debut for Bristol City. I think that was in the EFL Cup against Exeter City, and he's a Bristol City fan, so he's another one to keep an eye on, as is Cam Pring at Portsmouth and George Nurse, who's, who, who got an assist, I saw that last night for Walsall and uh, and then Robbie Cundy who's, who's actually scored a, a goal or two and has been keeping loads of clean sheets with Cambridge Town so yeah it's it's a, it's a deliberate policy that the club has and it's, it's working very well Brian Tinian doing a great job lining yeah. these loans up yeah, there's so many, aren't there? Well done for keeping a track of them all. Uh, just a quick word as well on Nicholas Eliasson. He's he's left uh, Bristol City. I just felt like he has so much potential. It didn't ever quite click. But then again, you look at his stats, and when you saw whenever he played, I felt excited when he was on the ball. A step over and a, a whipped in cross. That's how I remember him playing at Bristol City. Uh, yeah, I'm. I think Nicholas Eliasson is an incredibly talented player and he's unfortunate in that he's a victim of this system. The, the 3-5-2 is working so well 
He's not a wing back, is he? He's not a wing back. He just unfortunately didn't fit into it, and I think maybe it just suits everybody that that he's moved on. I was a little bit surprised he didn't, and a a bigger club hasn't come in for him. But but maybe sometimes it's better to go to somewhere where you're going to play regularly. So maybe that's the case here. I know that he did want to move on himself, and that that was a key determinant in this that he wasn't going to sign a new deal. Dean Holden sort of um, told us that after the game on Saturday. So it was always going to be a case that Bristol City had to cash in on him. And I think they've done well to get a fairly decent fee of just over £2 million or whatever it's reported to be um, for him. So, yeah, that's that's all wrapped up. And, yeah, so probably the, the next one is working out what they do with Famara Jeju. Yeah, they're not 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 heard any more developments on that, Gregor. We thought we might hear something yesterday, but there just doesn't seem to be a decision yet. No, no. So yeah, it's it's been running on for for some time now. And do, do you think yeah, he looks just... at the team and thinks Chris Martin is here now? And and I like Fam, and I think he works really hard. But Chris Martin, at the moment, he's offering more. Okay, if Martin were to get injured, then you've got to look at Fam. But also Antoine Semenyo is waiting in the wings. You know, they're the sort of three players for that role. And then obviously you've got Narky Wells doing the other one and, and the other strikers. But. He must be looking at thinking, where am I getting in this team apart from 10 minutes at the end of games? Exactly that. I think Chris Martin's come in and I cannot believe how well he's done. He's top of the assist charts. And I've got to admit, I didn't realise he was as good as he has been, if I'm completely honest. He, and the Derby fans did, to be fair, did say this when 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 Martin signed. But his first touch is just so good. Everything comes to him yeah. and it sticks. And it's a clear, yeah, it's a clear improvement, unfortunately, on some of Fam's play at times. Um, don't get me wrong, I do think Fam brings a lot to the side. He's so athletic. He's He can be unplayable on his day we just haven't seen that consistency but Chris Martin okay he's not as mobile and uh, yeah he, he doesn't have the pace uh, but he is he's just effective at what he does he's so good at bringing other players uh, into play and creating those chances with knockdowns we saw at the weekend for Narky Wells goal he, he's just really added something and yeah th- that's the problem for Fam. he's not in the team now he's got um, a big decision to make on his future there the club as we understand it have made um, a really good offer and I'm not too sure that they're going to improve that offer to him And but we're hearing from fans camp that they don't believe that that what's on the table at the moment is 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 good enough for fam. Is it always going to is going to is is everything that they're looking for? So there's some some work to be done there. But if he's not playing, it doesn't help him. No. On the other on the other hand, with City, I know that fam is desperate to play in the Premier League and he really wants to go up with Bristol City. So if if Bristol City are in the promotion places and are right up there in contention to go up, then then the chances are that maybe he will sign that new deal so it's going to be an interesting watch on that yeah definitely we'll keep a close eye on it but all of this of course is in a time where we're in a global pandemic Uh, things just seem to be getting worse again sorry to sound a little bit uh, gloomy but we can't have fans through the door still which for me personally is infuriating when you see that the Royal Albert Hall is opening and I think they're letting a couple of thousand people in indoors to watch a concert there's cinemas opening or cinemas are closing because they can't get the business but there's been Premier League games apparently shown in cinemas that the fans can go and watch you can go inside to the pub you can go to a restaurant but you can't stand apart at a football ground and with the fans not coming 
coming in, especially for EFL clubs without the TV money. This has had such a big impact and it would have affected the transfer window. We've got to say, Bristol City, Gregor, is a brilliantly run club, financially quite sound because of Steve Lansdowne. But um, Mark Ashton spoke to me last week for the Metro uh, and he said, uh, we're all really disappointed. The fans are not only critical for the financial well-being of the clubs, but for so many small businesses that are in the supply uh, chain. I think that's really important to remember, isn't it? He said, a clear roadmap to bring supporters back into stadiums in a safe manner is genuinely achievable if we set out right now in collaboration with the government. But fans are at home on a Saturday afternoon. They can watch and I follow or they can watch one of the programmes like Soccer Saturday or Final Score or, or whatever they choose to listen on the radio to local commentary. They can follow it on Twitter, on their phones, on, on the Bristol Live website that you do, Gregor. But it's not the same. And what what the impact is not just financially but for fans socially we see it we see the fans walk in we know some of the fans and we see you come into the ground and talk to your friends and i know for some people this is their social outlet each week you know especially for fans particularly that maybe don't come down with their families but they meet friends at the ground it's a really big thing so i just wonder what your thoughts are gregor on where we are at and if you just see a light at the end of the tunnel really i yeah, I think you're spot on. It's, I, I think it's, it just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And I saw that the financial officer for Bristol Sport, Gavin Marshall, was tweeting yesterday saying that why is Boris Johnson uh, advocating for people to go to the cinema oh, where they can, where they can oh. watch stuff inside but not go to football matches or sports events where it's outside? And it just doesn't make any sense. I completely agree with that. And it's, yeah, unfortunately, it borders into the political and I, yeah don't like and, yeah we don't want to get into that but it's no. just it just feels without getting into the politics it just feels nonsensical and it feels so unfair I, I say this to my colleagues i was at swansea on saturday and i've been at bristol city with you this season gregor and we sit in the press box and we sit at bristol city i've got to say actually the press box it, all the press sit together but we're still distanced but at other grounds they space the press out a little bit more but bristol city choose to put everyone in the press area which is which is fine because i feel comfortable because we are at least two meters apart we are outside now i'm someone who has asthma i have a young son our uh, mother-in-law is someone my mother-in-law is someone that's at risk and everyone has these stories okay everyone knows someone that they could affect if they were unfortunate enough to get covid so no one no one wants to be in that situation or to put themselves in that situation that's why we're all being so careful what i don't understand is why football fans and sports fans are being treated like this because I go to games on a Saturday and to be honest, I hardly, I can't remember a time where I've seen, you know, fans doing things that you think, oh no, they wouldn't be able to social distance properly because everyone's used to that way of living now. But one of the concerns I do hear is fans getting to the ground and things like that. So for a ground like Ashton Gate, Gregor, do you think fans could get there in a way that isn't going to be mass congregating outside? Do you think the club could put in place a system to make it work? Yeah, I, I do. I know Steve Lansdowne spoke and gave an interview. It was on the club website at the weekend. Yeah, it's on the Bristol he, Sport website if anyone wants to see it. Yeah, and he basically explained that they had plans in place. And I know from myself, I spoke to John Lansdowne when they made the official announcement of, of Dean Holden as the head coach. I spoke briefly to John then and I was talking to him about getting the fans back and he was saying that that was the aim um, but the difficulty was in getting them in and out of the stadium through concourse areas um, but 
they obviously did have a plan in place. It was going to be feasible. They had the, the test events lined up for the rugby, which, of course, they've not been able to go ahead since uh, since they were all cancelled. And, yeah, we, we're seeing... The frustration is, as well, that we're seeing countries abroad now bringing fans back. I think there was 11,000 at the Borussia Dortmund game at the weekend, for example. Yeah, so, and, you saw, and you saw yeah. the celebrations when, when there was a goal, the players going over, but the fans weren't jumping all around each other. They stayed distance. And if we can show we can have that discipline, it's just, yeah. I, I, I just, I almost feel lost for words. I just feel so frustrated because I genuinely worry for so many clubs going out of business and for fans losing their club. It's not all about the money. Of course, course it's a massive thing but it's also people's lives and livelihoods and the fans and local businesses it's really affecting people now so i'm on the same page as you Gregor. i really hope we can get fans in soon and i feel i don't want to end on a negative note so do you think i know boris johnson said six months you know is what we're looking at for this and the infection rates they are scary but do you feel hopeful that if the government can come together with with football in general the fa the efl the premier league that we might reach some sort of solution have you seen anything to suggest that yeah i i not well not from an official sort of sources or, or accounts or anything but i just think there's such a groundswell of opinion like you were saying exactly there michelle i've seen for example a petition going around football fans this morning calling on on the government to rethink and uh, on, on their strategy there and, and i just do think it does not make any sense for people to be allowed to go into pubs and uh, and everything but not football matches so yeah i i think just from weight of opinion i think that, that will change i do think there'll be a as you say light at the end of the tunnel i do think that we will get some fans back soon because um, it just doesn't 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 make any sense does it so so yeah I, I i can see change on the horizon we might just have to be a little bit patient but but and, and obviously very careful as you say with infection rates but but hopefully something will change soon yeah, absolutely. We want to stay safe and well, but we also we want football to survive. That's that's the bottom line. Gregor, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, you'll be back with us next week, all being well. And Dean Holden, Bristol City head coach, is going to be joining us, which we're really looking forward to having a chat with him, having a sit down all about his start to life as Bristol City head coach and what it was like as assistant manager, that transition and his evaluation on the start to the season and, and much more as well. And if you're listening, have a look at Who Knows Wins. They are supporting us on this podcast. You can download the app now and next week there'll be an opportunity from Who Knows Wins for you to get involved with your mates. Have a look at the app. It's uh, on your app store if you go there. And please give us a review. We want to know what you think of the podcast. If you are listening on iTunes or another podcast provider. And if you find us on Twitter and Instagram as well, we are on there. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, at Twitter, it's Robins at the Gate. It's the same on Instagram as well. Uh, Gregor, your Twitter handle is... is <laughs> I'm sorry, but your Twitter handle is funny. It's G McG. That's correct. As in Mac, M-A-C, and I'm at Michelle Owen 7. So thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week. Robins at the Gate. With Who Knows Wins. This is not betting as you know it. Download the app now and start playing. Please subscribe and review us wherever you get your podcasts.